Donald Trump has tweeted out in support of Elon Musk, who reopened his factory in defiance of a county order saying he could not reopen his factory. And the story is extremely annoying and weird. There's a lot of people in media that are absolutely desperate for some kind of smear against Elon Musk, and it's for tribal reasons. For some reason, the left just doesn't seem to like the guys of recent, and it may be because he's calling out the lockdown. Our country has been shut down for the most part. Most part. States have been shuttering their economies, issuing orders over what businesses can start to reopen. And Elon Musk has called this out, saying many of these orders are unconstitutional. Now, because that falls in line with Donald Trump and how he said liberate certain states, it becomes a tribal argument that makes literally no sense. There are a lot of problems with the lockdown. We're facing starvation, hunger. People are straight up saying employees of Elon Musk to media outlets, either we work or we don't feed our families. Yet many high profile leftists are arguing that Elon Musk is putting them at risk. They could just choose not to work. Elon Musk isn't forcing them to come back to the factory. But this has become a tribal issue where the facts don't matter. So now that Donald Trump is tweeting in support of Elon Musk, I can only imagine things will start to escalate from here. The story is weird, and somehow Elon Musk has become the champion of defying virus stay-home orders. Conservatives are rallying behind him. The left is rallying against him. And I got to say, look, you know where my bias tends to lie. I think the data and numerous stories that have emerged have shown Elon Musk is correct here. I mean, it's the weirdest thing that you have everything right now in favor of Elon Musk, the governor of California saying time to reopen, the local mayor saying time to reopen, Donald Trump saying time to reopen, but the, the, the county defying this. And all of a sudden you get the high profile leftists, people you know and love, like this Robert Wright guy going after Elon Musk, even though the data and the politicians and the Democrats are, are supporting him, or at least their policies are. This shows us the completely nonsensical nature of the the, the tribalist lockdown orders. Let me show you this story real quick from NPR. Hospitals are losing revenue and more than a million healthcare workers have lost their jobs. Clearly, this doesn't make sense. So is Elon Musk completely correct? I don't know. But for the most part, he is operating within the the, the rules of the town of what the governor wants. And he's having a dispute with one county official, I suppose. Because of this, it's become a completely tribal issue. Let's just, this story is so dumb. This other Democrats chiming in. This news cycle is so absolutely stupid. But hey, we're talking about Elon Musk and the reopening. So there are some important issues. Like I mentioned, the hospital workers, restaurants are starting to reopen. We're seeing churches defy these lockdown orders. And Elon Musk is now like the highest profile individual. So expect more media smears, expect more lies. Let's break down the story and see where we're at. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is just share this video. Because what I'm going to try and do is break down the nonsensical nature of the weird leftist defiance of Elon Musk. I, I really can't understand. I'm seeing my friends on Facebook be like, Elon Musk is a bad person. He's trash. And I'm like, for what? He, they, look, you can argue the guys have got bad character, I suppose. But he wants to reopen his factory. It, 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 look, maybe, maybe this video will, will uh, shake some sense into these people, I guess. Sharing really does help. If you just want to watch, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the notification bell. And I hope you're prepared to waste some time talking about this, the absurdities of the modern culture war and how for some reason I have to talk about this, I guess. 
According to CNBC, President Donald Trump uh, defended Tesla CEO Elon Musk's calls to resume production at the company's Fremont, California plant. Musk has has been pushing to restart his his California production that had stopped March 23rd due to the coronavirus pandemic, though attempts to return have been met with heavy resistance from local authorities. On Monday, local TV broadcasters showed employees' cars streaming into the company's parking lots. Musk also tweeted a confirmation that Tesla had resumed production Monday afternoon and dared the local sheriff's office to arrest him. No, he didn't. He said, I ask if anyone you know, is going to be arrested. It's only me. On Monday, the Alameda County Sheriff's Office and Alameda County Public Health Care Services Agency said in a statement today, May 11th, we learned that the Tesla factory in Fremont had opened beyond minimum basic operations. We have notified Tesla that they can only maintain minimum basic operations until we have, appro- have an approved plan that can be implemented in accordance with the local public health order. Musk threatened Saturday to pull Tesla out of California amid a dispute with Alameda County, where Fremont is located over the shutdown. Tesla also filed a lawsuit against the county asking a federal court to invalidate orders by local authorities that have prevented the automaker from resuming production. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin backed Musk on Monday. Now, he said, all right, let me just read it. I agree with Elon Musk. He's one of the biggest employers and manufacturers in California. And California should prioritize doing whatever they need to do to solve those health issues so that he can, he can open quickly and safely. I find it absolutely fascinating that the workers, many workers are speaking up sort of in defense of Musk. Many workers have the choice not to come. Yet the narrative emerging from the left is just lock everything down. And I got to tell you, I have no idea what their logic is. As we've seen over the past several years, anything Trump says must be wrong. So here we go. Let me read you this from The Verge. They say the workers who spoke to The Verge described difficult decisions they made about whether or not they should report in this week as their employer and CEO wages a public battle with local officials. Since they are both hourly workers, they won't be paid if they stay home. If they do go in, they will make less than they used to thanks to recent company-wide pay cuts. And while Tesla previously told its company, its, its employees that they can use t- uh, paid time off de- uh, days to stay home if they feel uncomfortable coming in, the company recently cashed out many of those workers remaining PTO days because of the extended furlough. Now, hold on. If you don't work, you don't get paid. That's true for everyone. But of course, you can see the bias in the media desperately trying to spin this as some kind of negative. Quote, it's either we feed our families or go hungry at this point, said one who decided to go into the factory. The other is staying home. I love my job personally, just tired of feeling like a chess piece, this person said. They also said they wouldn't feel safe assembling cars right now because it requires such close quarters work. We get lured in by the Tesla dream of saving the planet only to get treated so poorly that even though I love my job, I'm not willing to risk my health for him. Why would anyone risk their health for an employer. You shouldn't. An employer shouldn't uh, expect that of you. And according to the statements published by Elon Musk, they're not. He has said, if you feel unsafe, you don't have to come in. And they're implementing a ton of safety procedures. But more importantly, Governor Gavin Newsom has said, you know, we're at the phase where manufacturing can, re- can, can, can restart. So I don't understand what, what this is supposed to be about. But of course, the tribal issues will play a role in this. As we've seen many conservatives protest for the economies to be restarted, for businesses to be, re- be reopened, naturally, they're going to rally around Elon Musk, just like the present president is. But I have to say, it is really strange that right now you'll see people like this uh, Robert Wright guy 
And boy, is he kind of, he's just, yeah, he's kind of, <laughs> he's a, I'll leave it at that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm trying to avoid being overly insulting to the guy, but take a look at this tweet. Billionaires who think they're above the law and risk the lives of workers shouldn't get away with it. Tell Elon Musk to close his factory until health experts say it's safe. Boycott Tesla. Why? No one has to show up if they don't want to. He straight up said that. But let me tell you something. As this lockdown continues, do you know who benefits? The billionaires. This is the guy who tweeted out not that long ago that billionaires had made billions of dollars during the lockdown and the poor people are getting nothing. Yet now he's criticizing Elon Musk for reopening his factory and giving jobs to these people. Let me tell you, when you shut down all these small businesses and restaurants, there's a reason why they're defying these orders. You know, we're not seeing the cops show up to Walmart and arresting the manager. They're showing up to salons and barbershops and bars and arresting these small business owners. You know why? They don't have the luxury of selling something essential. I'll do air quotes. You'll end up with stores like Walmart. They can remain open because they're selling food, right? But then someone can go there and get a new pair of shoes. But the local shoe store can't be opened. Skate shops, for instance, typically where I like to buy my shoes from because they have specialty uh, shoes for skateboarding. Well, they're closed because they're not essential. But Walmart is open. So that means someone might normally go to a smaller boutique shop. Can't do it. The small businesses are suffering due to these lockdowns. So look, I understand that Elon Musk reopening Tesla is not the same thing. But it's strange and almost contradictory that you are going to rag on Elon Musk while complaining that billionaires benefit from this. The people who are saying they want to go in and are going in need to feed their families. It's actually that simple. Well, let's read this story over from the Idaho Statesman. They say Elon Musk becomes champion of defying virus stay home orders. Now, for the most part, we know they mention that, you know, Trump has tweeted in support of Elon Musk. He says it can be done fast and safely. They say among Musk's biggest critics is California Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who used an expletive to describe the CEO after his threats to relocate his operations to Texas or Nevada. She said the company is disregarding worker safety and bullying public officials. This is what I can't stand about what's going on right now. That's just not true. Look, Elon Musk is not a saint, man. He said a bunch of dumb things in the past. He's gotten in trouble for some of the things he said. And, he, and he, he's a bombastic, eccentric billionaire. Fine. He's not the worst guy in the world. And what he's doing isn't the end of the world. But we seem to have leftists who just want everything shut down for no reason other than orange man bad, I suppose. I really do think that's why we are, we are seeing sustained shutdowns. Not because anything makes sense. Elon Musk actually tweeted about this. It's kind of funny. First, he tweeted a thank you to Donald Trump when Trump said the plant should be reopened. Then we saw this from the third row Tesla podcast. Tesla should open. Gavin Newsom, Donald Trump, Elon Musk, Treasury Secretary, and the US. Tesla shouldn't open. One unelected county official, TSLAQ, cancel culture morons. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's about it. But the cancel culture morons goes beyond that. It's many leftists. It's Democrats like Lorena Gonzalez, who doesn't even rep this era. Well, maybe she does. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think she does. I think she's, she's in San Diego. The Thorough Podcast says, when both Gavin Newsom and Donald Trump agree on something, it is not a controversial idea. Those are the two last people who are going to agree on a political issue. Musk says it's not often that the governor of California and the president agree. And that's, that's a fair point. So let's take a look at what's actually going on in this country, how the lockdown is bad. So the, the reason I, I want to drive home that point about Elon Musk reopening his plant is because the president and the governor agree. 
But why are leftists arguing his plant should be shut down? He's created a comprehensive safety program. I'm not saying it's the best or whatever, but he should be good to go, right? Take a look at what's really happening. Um, as, as hospitals lose revenue, more than a million healthcare workers lose their jobs. NPR reports, Michael Sweeney could barely sleep. The nurse in Plymouth, Massachusetts had just learned she would be furloughed. She only had four hours the next day to call all of her patients. I was in a panic state. I was sick over it. Our patients are the frailest, sickest group. Sweeney works for Atrius Health as a case manager for patients with chronic health conditions and those who have been discharged from the hospital or emergency room. It's very devaluing, like a slap in the face. Nursing is who you are. I've never been unemployed my entire life. It's an ironic twist. As the coronavirus pandemic sweeps the nation, the very workers tasked with treating those afflicted with the virus are losing work in droves. Emergency room visits are down. Non-urgent surgical procedures have largely been put on hold. Healthcare spending fell 18% in the first three months of this year, and 1.4 million healthcare workers lost their jobs in April, a sharp increase from the 42,000 reported in March. According to the Labor Department, nearly 135,000 of the April losses were in hospitals. Only, what did Rand Paul tweet something about this? That, look, now let me just point out the strange circumstances that puts the United States in a pandemic and they are actually furloughing, firing, and laying off healthcare workers. Something doesn't make sense. Perhaps the hospitals needed more funding. I don't know. But many hospitals aren't being overrun. The hotspots are in key places like New York. Some hospitals in New York are being overrun. Many are not. So to see this shows us something isn't right. Study after study has come out showing the mortality rate is substantially lower than we thought. This might actually be the second wave. Many more people have caught the coronavirus than previously thought, meaning many people are asymptomatic. Many people have already gotten it. The mortality rate is down. These are all factors in reopening the economy. But when you combine that with the UN report, 130 million potentially starving, supply chain disruption, uh, some one in five Wendy's, no beef. So listen, we don't want people to starve. We don't want our healthcare workers losing their jobs. I recently, earlier today, there was a flyover for, for fighter jets above my house. The New Jersey Air Guard did a flyover in honor of frontline workers. Well, frontline workers are actually losing their jobs right now, about a million. Perhaps there's something we need to do to slowly get things reopened. Where is the logic then in people just coming out and smearing and attacking Elon Musk? Well, look, this is the game they've played from the get-go. They just don't like the guy. Remember the story about CNN and ventilators? I have, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm very confused by what the left has been doing lately. I'm, I, I, honestly, I have no understanding of what their logic is. Did you know that there was a, a leftist protest group that protested an emergency field hospital because it was run by Christians? Why would you protest? <laughs> That's the one thing you can agree on, right? Or how about when Elon Musk was sending ventilators to hospitals across the country? They actually smeared him over this. You know what, man? I think there's two factors here. Elon Musk is a high profile figure. People know that when they write about him, when they do videos about him, they're going to get a bunch of clicks. Okay. I don't do a bunch of arbitrary Elon Musk videos, mind you, but my last video did very well. Got like half a million views. These media companies see this. So Elon Musk says he's going to send ventilators to these hospitals. He did. They were non-invasive ventilators like CPAPs and BiPAPs. They're not the ones where the tube goes into the lungs. It's the one where you wear the mask. So CNN writes a smear piece arguing that he never delivered them. Why? Makes no sense. And when he came out 
and actually proved it. Essentially, uh, uh, well, I, I shouldn't. Say, but here's what happened: the hospital said, "These here's a list of things we want." Elon Musk said, "We just delivered them what they asked for." In fact, one of the doctors who apparently received these ventilators said, "We're converting them into invasive ventilators. It's very easy." CNN doubles down and smears him again. So here's what I think happens. For some reason, you have this crony establishment of media elites and leftists and Democrats. I think because Donald Trump ran on many moderate positions, it forced the Democrats to adopt positions that were more extreme. The media then followed in turn. But one of the other strategies they've had, and we've all seen it, is no matter what Trump says, it must be wrong. No matter what Trump supporters say, it must be wrong. Protesters must be wrong. Therefore, when Elon Musk comes out and his position inadvertently aligns with Donald Trump, that's it. That's enough. And now everything he does must be wrong. If he gives ventilators to hospitals, they rag on him for it. Why? If he says, we're going to reopen this plant, if you want to work, you can, they rag on him for it and accuse him of actually putting people at risk. Wouldn't they be at risk if they can't feed their kids? I mean, that's the statement we saw from The Verge. It's either we feed our families or go hungry at this point. So Elon Musk is doing these people a favor, but apparently it's not good enough. What, what, what is enough for these people is to just always find a reason to attack anybody who might agree with the president. And that's it. I've been smeared before. I've been accused of being a conspiracy theorist simply because I've said things like Trump is not that bad. That's apparently enough to get you attacked, berated in the press. But other people are starting to stand up. Check this out from the Washington Post. Colorado restaurant that illegally reopened without social distancing now ordered to close. It's not Trump country. It's not MAGA country. It's regular people. You know, I do find it interesting that we see polls emerging that regular Americans say it's too soon to reopen. We can't reopen. You know, we're too worried. Yet we see stories like this. So this uh, this Castle Rock, Colorado, uh, it's called CNC Coffee and Kitchen. They reopened packed house. Everybody wanted to go. None of these people were scared. They're not wearing masks. They didn't care. And guess what? Not all white people. Not all Trump conservatives. The left narrative is very, very strange. The data would suggest at this point that we were wrong about the mortality rate. Now, that doesn't mean it's completely safe because it's a novel virus. Many more people will likely catch this. And yes, we will see many people lose their lives. So we have to be careful. Elon Musk is doing that. Now, this, this, this is what you get when you don't act reasonably. This restaurant apparently just reopened and said, whatever, no social distancing. We've seen barber, uh, barber shops and salons open. They are wearing masks. They do have special rules and hand sanitizers and things like that. The protesters have talked, not, not all of them, about properly social distancing. Many have. But when you don't give people an option, they just defy you. The funny thing is that over in New York City, we can see the worst of this. You have all of these, you know, upper middle class, middle class people, mostly white people in Central Park and Prospect Park in wealthier areas of the city going about their business, having no problems. But the Jewish community and the black community are being targeted by the NYPD more heavily now, for whatever reason. I don't know. But that's just the data that we're getting. You can argue that it has to do with class or poverty or whatever. Or you can argue that Mary Bill de Blasio is a bigot and a bunch of other awful things. But then you see what happens in smaller towns and you, you'll, you'll see that people just don't expect to be bullied and they don't respect double standards. If people in certain areas are given special privileges, if Walmart is given special privileges, why should I have to shutter my business while, while these big billion dollar companies benefit? If Elon Musk says that we're going to have special protections, what's the real problem? 
people have a right to choose. The craziest thing about this tribal narrative having to do with Musk is that regular workers have no agency, that none of us are smart enough to choose for ourselves. Oh, but they argue. They argue, yes, but you're putting other people at risk by not wearing a mask and by going out. Okay, listen, if you want to stay home and you're scared of getting sick, you're allowed to do that. There's no argument for you saying other people shouldn't be allowed. I guess you can argue that people are stupid and you don't think they realize they'll get sick. Nah, I I think that makes literally no sense. I'm sorry. I I do not agree with that. Look, look, let's say everyone outside my home was all doing normal stuff and they all got sick. If I stayed home, I would be fine. And if I wanted to go out, I can just put on like protective gear, a mask and gloves and hand sanitize and probably be okay. Now you can argue that it increases my risk, but what obligation do other people have to me as personally? This is what the strangest thing about this is. If a person says to the press, I need to feed my family, what right does this other wealthy Robert guy have to tell this person he shouldn't be allowed to feed his family? There are people who want to work. I understand many of you might not want to. I understand many people may say it is wrong for these, for these restaurants to reopen. Then don't go there. Are you concerned about other people getting sick? Well, guess what? They made the choice to go outside as well. Do you think someone's going to cough into a vent into your house and then you'll get sick because everyone's walking around? No. And, 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 and listen, if you want to argue that when you're getting supplies or when you're getting packages, you're at risk of getting COVID, you still are no matter what. Right now, people are still going to stores. They aren't shut down. Big billionaires are benefiting from this. The data doesn't support the lockdown at this point. We're facing a greater risk and people should have the choice. Now, look, there's a lot of weird stuff happening. YouTube will probably ban this video. I don't know, because I'm speaking out against government decree, I suppose. Not necessarily, though. What I'm advocating for is things should be reopened. Guess what? This is the main point I'm trying to make here. California did reopen. They did. So what has Elon Musk done wrong other than Trump agrees with him? This is this is why we cannot have real arguments. This is why we are in trouble as a country. If the left wing faction is simply arguing for shutting things down because they want their sports team to win, then how do we actually function as a country? This is where things start to get scary for me because it looks like, in my opinion, and I have many people agree with me, maybe just because of my bubble, that many conservatives, not all, agree with rational, sound policy towards reopening. Of course, there are many conservatives that are just in this for the tribal politics of Team Trump. But we're not getting any sane and rational argument from the left. They're saying things like F Elon Musk. That woman, Lorena Lorena Gonzalez, just came out and said F Elon Musk. No argument. He's called uh, awful and evil and risking people's lives but they're ignoring literally all of the data and the news that's happening. I guess my question is, because it's part of a bigger frustration I've had, I expressed the other night, how do you talk to these people? And what do we do when they have an equal vote and they care not for the science, they care not for the facts, they only want things shut down because they hate Trump? What happens if you hate Trump too and you come out and say, but I need my business back? Are they going to accuse you of being a Trump supporter? They're going to say, we need to lock everything down, otherwise people get sick. Okay, well, what happens when everyone starves to death? I don't know, man. Look, let me tell you this. This is a stupid news cycle. We are, we are facing one of the stupidest problems and crises of, 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 our, of our, uh, uh, our country's history. I understand that in the beginning, we were all a little scared. I was. I, ra- I raised the flags. I said, you know, locking down makes sense. Should we be allowing people to break quarantine? Things like that. But at this point, I think the data suggests we have to slowly start reopening. 
And even if, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not saying Dr. Fauci is wrong or anything. No, I think he's right. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's saying we got to be careful about a second wave and all that stuff. A- absolutely, 100%. But when we're running out of food, when people can't feed their families, stimulus won't solve that problem. Simply attacking Elon Musk because he's giving people the choice makes no sense. I don't know how we overcome this because it seems like logic is out the window, but I'll leave it there. Elon Musk, somehow a new leader in uh, uh, the culture war tribalism of lockdowns. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews, and I will see you all then. A bunch of crybaby journalists are angry because Donald Trump walked out of a press conference after getting some bickering from some journalists. And of course, CNN has to write about it because CNN is basically like keeping up with the Kardashians, but of news media. Their whole shtick is now doing performative, outraged, fake trash, where they argue with the president. And you can thank Jim Acosta for this for the most part, because he's really a pioneer in this space of bickering over nonsense, the president, to increase the amount of airtime they get and cause a scene, which results in CNN getting more press from other outlets. And then a bunch of people who hate Trump just turn it on and say, I really like watching these journalists argue for no reason. We learn nothing from these press events. Donald Trump has threatened to walk out in the past. This time he finally did it and he was right to do so. You see, Donald Trump apparently asked this woman, or or, I'm sorry, he didn't ask her. He was asked a question and he said something like, why don't you ask China that? And it just so happens the woman that he asked was Chinese. And she goes, oh, why are you asking me that? Oh, heavens. You're surprised that Donald Trump made a dig at China. He does it all the time. He's done it for a decade. Move on. Stop complaining. No one's calling you any names. Trump was talking about China lying. Shut up. And then and then he he points to uh, Caitlin Collins of CNN and she doesn't ask a question. She waits because she wanted the exchange over the stupid argument with Trump, whatever, to continue. And then and then Trump is like next and she gets all up. It's such a dumb, dumb story that I'm I, I am stupider myself for having to actually talk about this. I can feel my IQ dropping. But now, of course, Brian Stelter is uh, <laughs> he's calling Trump racist. It is racist for Trump to tell an Asian-American reporter to ask China about the coronavirus. Brian, shut up, you despicable liar. You are so awful. Oliver Darcy and Brian Stelter have become like reality TV caricatures of what news media is supposed to be doing. No, it's not racist. What what is Trump supposed to do? Never ask a question about China again. Never criticize China again. That's great. How about all the news organizations just send their minority POC women reporters so that Donald Trump can never ask a question again? What's that? China has done things. They're lying. So Trump can't talk about it. There's your defense. I love it. These people are absolutely insane. But let's read this. I'll go through exactly what happened. But uh, there's there's a really funny tweet from uh, Kilgore Trout on Twitter. I'm not sure if you're familiar uh, with with who they are. I don't know who this person is. But they're basically saying like, look, man, for the past three years, there have been an endless stream of Donald Trump panicking articles where it's like White House insider says this. And it's like they're never true. You know, now I, I think it's fair to point out There's the equal Democrats are panicking, of which I produce way too many videos of. But typically when I do a video about this, it's because there's like poll data coming out and an on the record Democrat says we're getting nervous or something like that. But yeah, no, I get it. Look, I really doubt there are people in the Trump administration who are constantly in a state of disarray. But in my opinion, I think the Democrats tend to be. Maybe that's just my bias. 
And maybe that's their bias. But I kind of feel like based on the data we've seen, the fundraising, Joe Biden, I don't know, man, I kind of just lean more towards their in total disarray. I mean, the Wall Street Journal recently said Obama was nervous over the Michael Flynn stuff. But let's talk about the press. Let's, let's rag on CNN for being trash. Now, of course, CNN will write about themselves because, you know, that's what it's all about. Oliver Darcy of CNN says, Trump abruptly ends press conference after contentious exchange with reporters. He writes, President Donald Trump ended his, yeah, we get it. Why, Weijia Zhang, a White House correspondent for CBS News asked the president why he sees coronavirus testing as a global competition when more than 80,000 Americans have died. That's not a question. Does that get you any information? You're asking for Trump's opinion on something. They complain about Trump's presses all the time. They're not asking for information. They are just doing a reality TV. Like, you know what, man? Take Donald Trump, put him in a house, lock the door, put him in with seven journalists, put it on TV, and we'll be done with this. And then we can just turn on the channel whenever we feel like getting some kind of emotional vindication. Because this in no way asks anybody anything. You know what a journalist is supposed to do? They're supposed to go, Mr. Trump, we've recently reached 80,000 dead. Projections estimate that on current, you know, under current measures, it could reach 200,000. Do you have any concerns or is there anything the American people should know about lifting restrictions? What information can we get? Can you clarify? Can you tell me about this? Is there any, uh, you know, are there any moves to try and uh, reduce this? How are things going? Ask a question. Why do you view this as a global competition? First of all, does he? I don't know. You're making an assumption. Second of all, I don't care if he does. Now, now, now Trump steps in. He says, maybe that's a question you should ask China, Trump told Chang, who was born in China and immigrated to the United States when she was two years old. Don't ask me. Ask China that question. OK, now, now let me let me just stop and tell you. Why would Donald Trump say that? Why would why would Trump drag China? Could it be because China has lied about everything? Even German intelligence now calling out China, China withholding information. And more importantly, China has been lying about their total infection rate and the total amount of people who have died. The point I think Trump is trying to make is that you're accusing him of making it a competition, but the U.S. is doing more tests than any other country, not per capita, but more tests than any other country. Thus, we have a higher number. So no, it's not a competition. Meanwhile, China is lying. You want to ask someone about a global competition, ask China. It's a perfectly good question. China, why are you lying? Why are you trying to make it seem like your numbers aren't that bad? But of course, in today's day and age of fake outrage bicker journalism, she, she, gets, she, she literally pulls a harumph, I say, I kid you not. Trump attempted to move on by calling Caitlin Collins, a White House correspondent for CNN. But Zhang interjected with a follow-up question. Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? Oh, oh, asked Zhang, who was visibly taken aback by Trump's demand. Oh, shut up get off your high horse. Just because you're Asian doesn't mean Trump was insulting you for being Asian. He rags on China all the time. If he said something like, I don't know, that that politician in Michigan, I'm not going to get in that story. But yeah, Trump could have said a lot of offensive things. Trump simply asked a question about China, something he always does. And then you took personal offense because you're Chinese. You know what, man? I can't stand these people at all. It is it is the, 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 the Rose Garden these press events, the briefing room, it is just reality television. I don't blame Trump for it. I mean, I kind of do, actually. Trump has, has really been a character, to say the least. 
The problem is the journalists aren't supposed to do this. Donald Trump, as the president, as an individual, can say what he wants, can, can talk about the things he wants, can ask the questions he wants. And the journalists are supposed to be professionals. Now, I get it. The president is supposed to be a professional as well. But just because Donald Trump says things like this doesn't give the, the, the journalists the right to just break down the entire industry and say, you know what? Let's stop doing journalism. Yep, you got to love it, man. I'm telling you, Trump replied, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that asks a nasty question. That's not a nasty question, Jang said. Why does it matter? It is a nasty question. You know why? Why? Okay. Let me ask you a question. And I want you to answer honestly. When did you stop beating your girlfriend? <laughs> you see how these questions work. Loaded. Why are you treating this like a global competition, Trump? What's he supposed to say? I'm, I'm not. That's a loaded question. You're starting off with an assumption to try and bait Trump into making a statement where it, it, it's, it's just completely unfair. Yeah, it's a nasty question. You should ask China because China's the one lying about their numbers. Trump then looked again to take a question from another reporter. Collins, who had let Jang ask Trump her follow-up question, approached the microphone. I have two questions. No, it's okay, Trump replied. But you pointed to me, Collins said. I have two questions, Mr. President. You called on me. I did, Trump said, and, and you didn't respond. And now I'm calling on the young lady in the back. I just want to let my colleague finish. But can I ask you a question? Trump then ended the press conference. Don't argue with the president. What is what, what is with these people? I've been to press conferences. You ask your question. If they cut you off and stop and say no, you're done. You don't own the space. It's not your space. You're there to try and get information. You want to argue with, with, with the person, then do it somewhere else. This is not the time for that. Now, here's my favorite thing about this is I tweeted about it and everyone's like, Tim, Caitlin Collins and, and Weijia Jang are speaking truth to power. No, they're not. Shut up. They're not speaking truth to power. Truth to power would be asking Donald Trump questions about, you know, his, his policy ideas. Donald Trump, you said this and this happened. By all means, I think there are some truth to power questions that have been asked, but this is not that. Why do you view this as a competition? No, stop. You're making assumptions, okay? Speaking truth to power is also kind of like, it's a grandiose way of saying that you're going to argue with the president in a certain capacity. I understand there is legitimate speaking truth to power. Donald Trump had done something overtly illegal and you challenge him on it. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get it, man. Journalists can do this stuff. Journalists can ask you these hard questions. Not every single bit, you know, argument between a journalist and Trump is bickering nonsense. Donald Trump could like try and deflect and a journalist could press and say, no, we want the answer to this question. That's something we should get. Let's say like, you know, something happened where Trump spent a bunch of money and people wanted to know where it went. Or, or let's, ask, let's ask a question about the Air Force staying. I think it was the Air Force. There was like U.S. military staying at a Trump uh, resort in Scotland or something like that. U.S. question. Recently, we heard that, you know, an Air Force, you know, whatever, the Air Force had stayed at your, your, your Scottish golf resort. Can you answer the American people why the U.S. military would be spending money at your family's business? Trump can answer. And if he gives you a bad answer, you can say, you know, with all due respect, we are trying to understand why, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Trump will give you your answer. And that's it. If he's not going to give, what are you going to do? You're going to argue for like five minutes like Jim Acosta does? You see how it becomes performative nonsense, where they're not actually looking for an answer. They're not actually trying to get Trump on the record to say something. They're just trying to increase their airtime and feign outrage. Now, listen, there have been things I've criticized the president for. Missile strike in Syria. I bring it up all the time. Well, you know, it hasn't been as bad in the past several years. So what can I say? 
But you could actually press Donald Trump on some questions. Donald Trump, you recently crossed into the DMZ with Kim Jong-un. Now, many people are concerned that you're giving them too much leeway and they'll take advantage of our country. How do you respond to critics who would say something to that effect? Trump answers, thank you, Mr. President. You move on. That's about it. If he gives a bad answer, then you can press and, and, and try for a follow-up. These are normal things. This is not normal. This is how awful everything has become. Now, let, 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 me, let me give a nice little pass to Brian Stelter. Show me what you got, Brian. What's Oh, it's racist for Trump to tell Asian American reporter to ask China. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Would it be racist for him to ask you, to, uh, why don't you go ask Germany about their numbers? Is that racist? I don't know if Brian Stelter's German. I'm just saying he's a white guy. So if you were like, uh, no, dude, I'm sorry. You don't get to ignore all the hate crimes against Asian people and then all of a sudden feign outrage because Donald Trump said, ask China when China's been lying forever. This is what I really can't stand about these people in media. You have a bunch of hate crimes against the Asian community. Does it get airtime? Is it national news? Nope. They don't care at all. But Donald Trump can rag on China and a reporter can pretend to be angry and all of a sudden it's national news. CNN's Brian Stelter chided President Trump for a racist response he gave a Chinese American reporter during a White House press conference. CBS reporter Jia Zhang asked Trump in the Rose Garden on Monday why he cares if the United States has the largest testing capacity in the world. Well, that's not, what, <laughs> that's not really what she said. Why is it a global competition for you if every day Americans are still losing their lives, blah, blah, blah. We know this part. Stelter reacted to the moment during a CNN segment following the briefing, saying the president espoused racist sentiments. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. Brian Stelter is a racist. You know why? Speaking as somebody of actual Southeast Asian descent, I am offended that you would imply people like me couldn't be asked a serious questions about geopolitics and the international stage without it being some kind of offensive dig at me. I don't need you, Brian Stelter, a white man, to speak up on my behalf. Now, I'm not going to speak for Y. Jia Zhang either. I mean, she was born in China. I'm only uh, partly Southeast Asian. But if Donald Trump were to ask me a question about my ancestral heritage, am I supposed to be protected by these people who feign outrage on my behalf? No. Brian Stelter, you have no right to speak on behalf of people for which you do not represent. How about we play that game? Now, look, let's be honest. Everybody's allowed their opinion. I think it's silly. But I also think it's silly that Brian Stelter thinks he has a right to assert Donald Trump is being racist. This is the big problem I have with these, these social justice type people. Look, I get it. Why Jia Zhang was, was acting all, you know, hoity-toity like, oh, are you asking me because I'm Chinese? <laughs> Shut up, dude. It's just so stupid. Could I never ask a question about, you know, my, my parents' history or my family? I get it. I'm a bit ethnically ambiguous to most people. So perhaps it's a bit different. Sure. I think what we saw in that exchange with Wai uh, Zhang is something that has racial overtones. It is racist to look at an Asian American White House correspondent and say, ask China. Shut up, dude. Just stop. This is happening in a vacuum. This isn't happening in a vacuum. This is part of a pattern of behavior from the president that goes back many years. The network's chief media correspondent said before accusing Trump of having a particular prejudice for minority reporters. Uh, I don't know. I got invited to the White House. Was that because of or in spite of my race? And I'll tell you what, man, when I got invited to the White House, sure was a whole lot of white people. Did I did I tweet about it? Did I post about it? Did I complain about it? Didn't even occur to me, to be honest. Yeah, but, you know, Brian Stelter, he found an in. You know, he doesn't really care, right? It's just an opportunity for him to, to complain about the president because he's basically doing reality television. 
He, look, Donald Trump is a reality television president, and perhaps he started this. But that's no excuse for the news industry to give up their professionalism and say, well, you know what? Since Trump doing it, we might as well jump into the, into the muck and the mire. But, but, but again, Donald Trump being the president, I do believe there is a certain level of you know, decorum and professionalism that I would, pr- I would prefer to see from the president. But he's one guy. He's one guy who acts a certain way. He got elected. That's the way he is. That's no excuse for the entirety of the news industry and major corporations like CNN to just flush their ethics down the toilet. Not like they had very many to begin with, to be honest. He doesn't have the benefit of the doubt that someone might have if for the first time ever in their life, they made a comment like that to a reporter, Stelter added. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look at this. Look at this. Brian Stelter, you, you, you two white dudes on TV talking on behalf of Asian America. How dare you, Brian Stelter? How dare you? You bigot. You should step back and allow someone else to speak up. I'm being somewhat facetious, but I do find it kind of hilarious that he, he would even try and bring this up. I can't stand it, man. I grew up with this stuff uh, and, and I see it with, with all these lefty activists, the being offended on your behalf. Nah, just, just, just stop, bro. I, I, I don't care. They go on to say that the novel coronavirus is believed to have originated in Wuhan, China late last year. We, 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 we don't need this context. I think we all know this stuff by now. But let me show you this tweet from Kilgore Trout, multi-year slanderer. Uh, I'm not super familiar with, uh, with who this person is, but I believe they have a decent amount of followers. Yeah, 61,000. And Kilgore tweeted, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but every time you share one of the endless stream of Vanity Fair, the White House is panicking articles sourced to imaginary insiders. You are the mark. It's the same piece every time for three years, just rebooted to the current news cycle. I keep thinking you'll eventually catch on and stop biting on it. But every two weeks, like clockwork, it's back again coin flip, whether it's always sourced to some batch of self-important losers on the outer ring of an outer ring that, that that's itself on the outer ring of the inner ring, or whether the inner ring feeds the same S every day and then laughs their heads off, it keeps getting written. And I'm fine with anonymous sources, but at some point you've got to ask yourself, does this anonymous source sound like they've, they've got a uh, GD clue what's going on? Or are they regurgitating wishful Twitter punditry? Honestly, there's an extremely good chance Trump himself is making the phone calls to Vanity Fair just to F with Graydon. I tell you what, man, I agree. But let me point out, as I stated earlier on, I make a lot of videos about, you know, Democrats panicking and stuff like that. And I think it's fair to say it's difficult to contextualize because it's some people might read it as literally every single Democrat is running around with their with their pants on fire or something when it when it typically means that there's a handful of select campaigners and consultants. So I understand that we're all kind of trapped in this media position where it's really, really hard to get across complex ideas onto social media, especially on YouTube, where you get only 100 characters in a title. So it is challenging. But to be fair, I think it is absolutely more correct to point out the Democrats have been in a constant state of disarray. I mean, you look at the flip-flopping between Biden, Bernie, and how the DNC is now in shambles, and you look at the sort of the unity between Trump and his supporters. The White House seems to be moving forward, making a bunch of moves. I don't see them as panicking. I don't understand why that, that claim would exist. Certainly, there are some issues where they might be worried about things, right? But let's put it this way. When I see a story that says Donald Trump has fundraised more than Joe Biden, which he just did for April by a little bit, and he's ahead of Joe Biden with like $240 million. I don't see why Donald Trump would be in a panic or why anyone in his administration would be panicking. Now, there's some reporting that suggests that the Democrats might take the House or the Senate. 
and they say that this all bodes poorly for Trump and people in the White House are panicking. Republicans are panicking. They might lose their Senate hold. That's a, that's a fair point. Maybe, maybe as hyperbolic as I might, may have been when I make those statements. But I also just don't believe these, these stories, considering the popularity of Republicans in Congress, which Gallup shows has switched for the first time in like 20 years. The fundraising efforts by the GOP absolutely, um, as a whole, trouncing Democrats. And there are House Republicans that are, are absolutely not raising as much money as House Democrats. But I think coming into 2020 with the Trump effect, which even de- Democrats recognize, I don't see why there would be Republicans in panic at all. So when you have stories sourced to anonymous insiders that you have no idea what they're talking about, and it's the same story every week or so, sounds fake. When you have stories where Katie Hill's district is about to flip Republican, stands to reason that Democrats are very worried about that. And as they stated on the record to Politico, this is not a unique district. Therefore, they're concerned about what might happen with the rest of the the, uh, moderate uh, districts coming into November. Stands to reason if they're on the record saying they're getting nervous, they're likely getting nervous. Stands to reason if you have insider says, insider says, Trump is panicked, Trump is panicked, Trump is panicked. And there's really nothing going on. In fact, everything is going good for Trump. Like uh, Grenell is now declassifying the unmasking. We've had the release of of classified documents from the, the Russiagate testimony. These are all things in favor of Donald Trump. So perhaps it's my personal bias, right? But I, I, I do not believe that the Trump administration and the Republicans are shaking in their boots, maybe a little bit, but the Democrats are certainly doing it more. Let me, let me, let me end by, let me conclude by making this point and the bigger picture. As I've stated many, many times, I often ask myself, you know, who's, who's on the right side? Who's, who's correct? Who's wrong? And I'll tell you this. When you look at what's going on with the Republicans, when you look at what's going on with Devin Nunes releasing the FISA memo back in 2018, the Republicans tend to be correct on these issues. They just do. Donald Trump is making an argument about economics, about a wall, about various issues. And Joe Biden is making an argument about nothing other than beating Trump. So what I see from the Democrats consistently, or I should say a tendency, is to exaggerate and make claims not backed by hard evidence. And the Republicans and the cultural right tend to make uh, arguments backed by evidence. Not absolutely. Okay, there there are people on the right who make bad emotional arguments, but there are more people on the left doing this. Almost all of the higher profile leftists I follow, their arguments are so consistently insults. Donald Trump is a racist. You're not arguing anything. I'll present you an argument. Journalists should not be arguing with the president and bickering over who he's calling to answer a question, and they should not be feigning outrage because they happen to be Chinese. Here's an argument. To come back and say Donald Trump is a racist, he doesn't deserve the bet. You're, you're not arguing anything. You're just insulting him. Argue back. No, Tim, I believe the journalists should challenge Trump at every step of the way. And the reason is, if, he, if they don't, there's, a, there's an argument that can be made. But this is what I end up seeing. Brian Seltzer of CNN goes on TV and says Trump's a racist, just like we would expect, because the only thing they've been doing for years. So forgive me if I don't trust you when you put out media pieces where your anonymous insiders tell you nonsense and you do it every single week. I just don't buy it. And forgive me if I think the Democrats are actually in disarray when Joe Biden is their candidate, when the former head of MSNBC says Joe Biden isn't ready for this, when he's fundra- when his fundraising is below Trump, when the progressives are going after the Democrats, when AOC is... <laughs> All right, I'll stop there at risk of losing a congressional seat. When Democrats are dealing with an internal civil war where they're primarying each other, it doesn't make sense to me that Republicans who are mostly unified around Trump would be worried about anything. Maybe they're, they're, you know, gearing up for a fight, but panicked? Nah, 
Absolutely not. I just do not see that. In some circumstances, maybe, but it is a stretch. I think what we see consistently is that the Democrats and their allies in media have nothing left to argue for. So Trump's a racist. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. The FBI has arrested a professor in Arkansas on fraud charges over financial ties to China. And this is not the first time we have heard a story like this. Apparently, there are many academics who are secretly getting paid by China. And I'll be very careful here. Could be sending information on US funded research to the Chinese. Now, there are a lot of concerns about Chinese infiltration. There's military tensions with China. So yeah, China kind of is a principal US adversary right now. And it would appear the FBI is doing some digging into people who are secretly working at the behest of China and know it and are lying. And this story is crazy. Apparently, somebody found a hard drive, went through it, and it turns out this guy knew he had a conflict and was purposefully trying to hide it. Now he's getting aggressive. We have another story, however. The U.S. to accuse China of trying to hack vaccine data as virus redirects cyber attacks. This is where things start getting crazy. I, I, I don't want to do like a full segment on China and military tensions and escalation, but this does play into that. There's concerns among Western intelligence agencies, the United States, that China is racing towards a COVID vaccine they can use to extort the rest of the world. Now we're hearing that they may or the U.S. wants to accuse them of trying to hack vaccine data. Makes sense. And we're now here. We're also hearing of all of these different professors who have secretly been getting paid by China and potentially relaying U.S. research to a foreign government illegally. Let's read the story. We'll, we'll, we'll break it all down. The Washington Post reports a professor at the University of Arkansas specializing in electrical engineering has been arrested by the FBI and charged with wire fraud after being accused of failing to tell federal authorities about his jobs and payments from Chinese companies, authorities announced Monday. Simon Eng had close ties with the Chinese government and Chinese companies and failed to disclose those when required to do so in order to receive grant money from NASA, according to a criminal complaint filed against him. Ang was arrested Friday and court papers were unsealed Monday. A lawyer for Ang declined to comment. Now, many people are probably saying, yeah, 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 but do we really have proof? Well, it seems we do, because according to information from a hard drive that guy leaked, seems like the guy knew what he was doing. The case marks the latest strike by the Justice Department against what national security officials say is a problem at some American universities, professors and researchers hiding their financial and professional arrangements with Chinese entities in violation of ethics rules for federal grant money. In January, the FBI arrested the chair of Harvard University's chemistry department on charges that he lied about his work for a Chinese university. At the time, John Demers, the head of the Justice Department's National Security Division, said American universities should take this threat seriously and continue to take actions to confront it. Ang, 63, is the director of the High Density Electronic Center in the University of Arkansas's Department of Electrical Engineering. He has worked at the school for decades. Since 2013, Ang's work received more than $5 million in federal grant money from NASA and other agencies, according to the criminal complaint filed against him. I'm going to stop right here, man. At what point does this become treason or spying? Our tax dollars, our government is giving people money to do research. What are they doing with that research? And why are they taking money from a U.S. adversary? Now, I understand 
Some would argue that formally we're not enemies or at war with China. But come on, the U.S. has Cold War style conflicts with a bunch of different countries and China is a growing power. Should we be allowing this? The answer is no. And that's why the FBI is arresting these people. But is it just wire fraud? Or is, or is the FBI worried about actually levying treason charges because of the implications that would make about the U.S. and China's you know, relationship? They say officials said the investigation began when a university staffer examined a hard drive in the library's lost and found bin, trying to see whether they could identify the device's owner. The drive contained emails, apparently from Eng, including one that said, quote, there are things that are becoming very difficult for me recently because of the political climate. You can search the Chinese website regarding what the U.S. will do to uh, 2,000 talent scholars. Not many people here know I am one of them. But if this leaks out, my job here will be in deep troubles. I have to be very careful or else I may be out of my job from this university. Here's a guy who knew what he was doing was wrong, who was taking money from our from, from us, our taxpayer dollars, and then saying straight up, no one can know he could get in trouble for this. China runs a number of talent programs, I put in quotes, designed to attract accomplished scientists and experts from around the world to provide expertise to China's own research and development programs. The criminal complaint filed against Eng charges the professor in 2014 disclosed the University of Arkansas his participation in China's Thousand Talent Scholars program, but did not reveal his involvement in other such programs from 2012 to 2018. Eng obviously knew about the requirement to disclose such conflicts of interest and deliberately kept all such conflicts of interest from the University of Arkansas and NASA. A University of Arkansas spokesman, spokeswoman said Eng has been suspended without pay from his responsibilities at the university, and the university is actively cooperating with federal authorities in the investigation. You know what, man? The United States has done too little for too long, and we have been taken advantage of. We have lost our manufacturing, and we are being extracted. Our research our jobs being stripped and taken away. And it's really funny. I saw a post on Reddit where they tried to make the claim that Republicans, conservatives think China is the real problem instead of the politicians in power who sold away this, this, this country. It's funny because both are true. And it's a weird thing to try and criticize Republicans because bad politicians were, it's, it's a ridiculous argument, but it was a top post on Reddit. Let me tell you, Yes, both Democrats and Republicans alike for decades were extracting the U.S. I mean, it's apparent now. Our manufacturing was being sold overseas and to other countries through outsourcing. Universities were hiring people, and this is less the fault of the politicians, but these people were in on the take from China giving away our research. At least that's how it seems. Well, China's been stealing our intellectual property for a long time. You can see how China makes knockoffs of all these other products. This is where it's starting to get serious. Okay, we've got escalating military tensions in the South China Sea. I won't get into too much detail on that stuff, but yeah, things are getting particularly worrisome in the physical, in, in, in terms of military uh, conflict, physical conflict. Take a look at this story from the New York Times. U.S. to accuse China of trying to hack vaccine data as virus redirects cyber attacks. Iran and other nations are also looking to steal data and exploit the pandemic with attacks on infrastructure, officials say. This is a story from just the other, uh, from a couple days ago. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security are preparing to issue a warning that China's most skilled hackers and spies are working to steal American research in the crash effort to develop vaccines and treatments for the coronavirus. The efforts are part of a surge in cyber theft and attacks by nations seeking advantage in the pandemic. 
The warning comes as Israeli officials accuse Iran of mounting an effort in late April to cripple water supplies as Israelis were confined to their houses, though the government has offered no evidence to back its claim. More than a dozen countries have redeployed military and intelligence hackers to glean whatever they can about other nations' virus responses. Even American allies like South Korea and nations that do not typically stand out for their cyber abilities, like Vietnam, have suddenly redirected their state-run hackers to focus on virus-related information, according to private security firms. So this will be, they say a draft is forthcoming. We'll see how this plays out. But it's not surprising. When we're learning that China is paying people at universities and there have been several arrests, why would I be surprised that they're now telling these people and their hackers to shift their focus and try and target vaccine information? Perhaps before it was just general technology, electrical engineering, smartphones, whatever. But maybe now they're saying we need to get this vaccine. I got a couple more stories. Check this out. The New York Times. Chinese agents helped spread messages that sowed virus panic in the U.S., officials say. Now, this story is from April 22nd, not that long, a couple weeks ago. American officials were alarmed by fake text messages and social media posts that said President Trump was locking down the country. Experts see a convergence with Russian tactics. I bring this story up, not necessarily to rehash something that was old. It's kind of annoying. And it's not necessarily the same as China trying to exfiltrate our information, steal our information, or people working at American universities being in the take. But it does show that we are facing a serious conflict with China. I remember these text messages and, and, and they were clever. But man, people fall for this stuff. And I, I wonder how, you know, let me tell you a story. All right. I wake up one day, I get a text message saying this was back in like March or something. I don't know, early March. Donald Trump was going to lock down the country for two weeks, citing some specific act. And it was completely fake and absurd. And there was no real information on it. And I didn't know why someone had texted me this. But they all said the same thing. My friend, you know, was in a meeting and they said this. Everybody gets this text message. It wasn't the only one. There were a bunch of like it. And I thought to myself, why would somebody hear something from someone? Okay, why, why, why would a person get a text message that says, my friend was in a meeting and Trump said this, then forward a message to a friend saying it was their friend in a meeting? You don't know who this person is. You didn't fact check, but that's how people fall for this stuff. And that's how you end up with fake news. Right now, we got a serious problem. We have a growing military conflict with China. And right now we are seeing the, the, the level of Chinese infiltration of the US to what degree it's impacting us. And it is. Not only is China trying to steal our technology and information, and they're getting caught doing it, and they're doing it in sneaky, underhand, underhanded ways, but they're using misinformation to jam up our response. I mean, listen, man, this is the question I've asked. At what point do we say it's an act of war? Okay, I don't know. Don't ask me. Perhaps it requires direct military conflict in the South China Sea or you know, China doing something with some guns. But if they're spreading disinformation that's getting Americans killed, and it is, at what point do we call them out and demand, make demands of it? Well, I'll tell you what. Of course, Donald Trump always does. And if you saw my segment from earlier this morning, you know what the problem is. The problem is the media. Brian Stelter says it is racist for Trump to tell Asian American reporter to ask China, shut up, dude. This is not the time. Brian Stelter is wasting time talking about nonsense, complaining about Donald Trump being racist. That's not an argument. That has nothing to do with informing your audience. It is an emotional dig to drop brownie points for your virtue signaling base. Right now, we have a foreign adversary trying to steal our vaccine data, and not just China, many other countries. You'd think that would be more important. Okay, I get it. 
Brian Stelter runs a media commentary show, but we still know what he does is fake. He won't criticize MSNBC for the same thing that, you know, for them doing this exact same thing that Fox does. It is fake trash. What we can, what we can expect is that if you try to call out what China is doing, if you try to, if you try to mention they're lying in their data, they're stealing data, well, that makes you a bigot. This will, will get, will, will, will escalate. I could only assume as the FBI makes more arrests and the investigations are ongoing, we are going to see a lot more of this. Now, Mike Pompeo said a few months ago that this is, it's worse than you realize that the, the infiltration in the United States is extensive. And it probably is. And it's seemingly innocuous, I would, I would argue. A talent scout. It's no big deal, but these people are lying. They know why they're lying. So you, you, you can see this come in like multiple levels. The first thing you have is just somebody who happens to get paid for a contracting job through China. What are they really doing? At a university, probably giving away our, our secrets or at least giving them hints as to what we're doing. Maybe these people at the universities aren't giving them schematics or anything, but it's still very beneficial to China to get access to our universities and our taxpayer dollars, money from NASA, for instance. Of course, then the next step is to do hard hacking. I just had to stop recording for a second, so it threw me off because you may have heard it. A bunch of jets were flying overhead. Two rounds of what looked like some kind of fighter jet. So forgive me, I've lost my, my direct train of thought. I kind of know where I was, but I decided to just throw this in there. I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm recording in the new studio, and I heard a very loud rumbling, and I thought it was someone like, like a garbage truck or something. And then the second time it hit, I, I'm like, I can't keep recording this. This is weird. And I look out and I see three fighter jets of some kind. So I don't know. If, you know, these things happen. I'm not suggesting it's a big deal. But considering what I'm talking about, I was uh, I thought it was interesting. Like the first one I tried to ignore. But anyway, the point I was trying to make before I had to cut off is that the first thing they do is light. It's seemingly innocuous. The next thing they do is just exfiltration. And the third thing uh, they're doing, direct disruption. So we are seriously taking some kind of like th- there are various levels of attack that are occurring against the United States from from China. This is not the article I meant to show. This is the article. China ag- Chinese agents sowing these messages are jamming up our response, causing panic. And you got to understand how this plays out when you've got a group of people that are, are susceptible to fake news. And, and we have a lot of them on all, all of, of all political factions of all ages. They are very easily. And th- this is why these fake messages work. This is going to result in election interference. We should call it out for what it is. Right now, the Democrats are complaining about Donald Trump's response uh, to the coronavirus. They're using this fear and this panic that is being sowed by our foreign adversaries. Now, listen, you want to talk about Russian interference, Russian collusion and all that stuff. Fine. Of course you can do it because I think Russia and many other countries are doing this. We've always thought so. What we can see here is that what China has done has been substantially more effective like when, when, when they were using social media bots to disrupt Spain, Italy, and Taiwan, that had a real impact. When the World Health Organization put out disinformation saying that there was no, in, you know, no data suggesting human-to-human human transmission, even though China knew, you can see just how much of a threat China actually is. And what do you get from the media? Well, that was the, the article I was just showing. We, we, th- this is what they've tried doing. They've tried arguing that, say, the right is trying to scapegoat China. It's the weirdest thing. Joe Biden dabbled at it. Didn't work, uh, didn't work out too well for him. 
Joe Biden ran a campaign ad claiming Trump was soft on China. That's a bad, bad route to try and go to, especially when the FBI is currently rounding up people who are working for China and not revealing this. So listen, military planes flying over my house aside, I don't know uh, if I'm, I'm kidding, by the way, but I don't know what we can expect in terms of military escalation. Because the things we've seen in the South China Sea, as I mentioned, and, and I mentioned this again, I know for people who already have heard this, just, just there's a lot of people who haven't heard this. These things could be normal. All right. We've seen U.S. warships deployed. We've seen an elephant walk with bombers. We've seen China deploying a strike group. This could be normal. It, it's just that we're focused on it right now because we're all locked down. And I want to make sure that's very, very clear. So uh, for con- context for people too, just to give you an understanding of how I do the content I do. Not everybody watches every single video I do. So for those of you that are consistently watching every video I put out a day, because I do about an hour and 40 minutes of content, you might hear me say a lot of the same things in different videos. And it's because, you know, initially I used to assume that people watching would know everything. I, I'll tell you what, man, I've, I've opened up YouTube videos from people where they make, they make those assumptions and I just turn them off right away because I, I don't know. So, so, so forgive me, you know, to, uh, for those of you that just catch videos, you probably like, oh, I didn't know that and stuff. So anyway, long story short. We're seeing an escalation of tensions. We're seeing more arrests. We're seeing an infiltration. And uh, admittedly, my train of thought was completely crushed when a bunch of fighter jets flew over my house. So I guess I'll just leave it there uh, and say, if you want to complain about Ukrainian collusion or, you, you know, the Ukrainian interference, Russian interference, I think those are valid arguments, but they didn't have the impact that China has certainly had. I don't know what to expect, but I will say, I think if Donald Trump gets reelected, there's going to be a hammer drop in terms of how we deal with China. Now, I understand, look, Trump's already done the tariffs. China, you know, some people are saying China's flinching because they're, they're starting to bend to, you know, what Trump's demands are. I think in Trump's first term, he's taken, and I know it's trying to say a lighter touch on this. I know he's taken pretty much a hammer in a lot of ways, but he was jammed up a lot by the Russiagate stuff, by impeachment. Only now is Donald Trump clear of these nonsensical investigations. They're trying to launch more. They're trying to jam him up, but he's, he's cleared them. Impeachment failed. Russiagate was, was a scam. And now information is coming out just in time for the election. I think if Trump gets reelected, you will see tenfold what Trump has been doing, for better or for worse. If you like the guy, if you hate the guy, it's going to ramp up to an absurd degree, in my opinion. Just before the election, I think we're going to see a bunch of heavy moves. And if Trump gets reelected, I'm assuming he will, it is going to be like unleashing the floodgates because that's it. Last term, time to drop the hammer. We'll see how things play out. But based on statements from Mike Pompeo, I think it'll be, it'll, it, it's, I think it's going to shock this country for sure. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. Uh, it's my main channel. Go to, go to Timcast.net. It's in the, in the description below. You'll see it. It is a different YouTube channel. I will see you there. Once again, the media has beclowned itself in its desperate attempt to spin some kind of narrative, usually based on the idea that the orange man is bad. In this instance, we've seen evidence now that there is some strange goings on with the Obama administration, Michael Flynn. Obama, uh, I'm sorry, Donald Trump tweeted out Obamagate, sparking this major viral trend and a bunch of articles then started popping up. What is Obamagate? Many of you may not be familiar, but to give you the gist, because apparently they're mad that Trump wouldn't. It's basically that, Don, uh, that Barack Obama was involved in spying on the Trump campaign or was seeking to sabotage his, the new administration as it was coming into power. Now, we see this story from Vox, and you're going to love this because I'm going I'm to tear apart Vox and CNN in this one. And it turns out 
I don't want to bear the lead on this one. Joe Biden knew. We know that Biden knew because we know that Obama knew because we heard from the release transcripts that both Obama and Biden were in this meeting where somehow they knew about an investigation into Michael Flynn that had no real investigatory basis. Joe Biden, in an interview, at first said he had no idea. When he was then called out saying you were in that meeting, he goes, oh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I did know. So uh, I'll give a shout out to some media. This is ABC's Good Morning America for actually pushing back on this one. But let's take a look at some of this great Vox and CNN coverage. And I will explain to you how the media is trying very hard to spin a yarn. It took one question for a reporter to expose Trump's latest baseless Obama conspiracy theory. Oh, man, I just love it because when you get the facts and they're so desperate, they just slap on conspiracy theory. Okay, fine. I guess you can call it a conspiracy theory, but please back off. Let's read. Monday's news conference ended with Trump melting down in response to questions from female reporters. Oh, I want to, oh, I just want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Female reporters. Oh, Trump. Look, Trump has threatened to walk out on press conferences before, and he did it now. I did a segment on this, so I'm not going to repeat it, but check this out. They say on Monday, a reporter exposed President Donald Trump for yet again peddling a nonsensical conspiracy theory about Barack Obama. Hours after Trump posted a string of tweets and retweets about Obamagate, a new conspiracy theory. Oh, it's just so painful to read. I'm sorry. Obamagate has been around for years. The hashtag Obamagate has been on Twitter and various websites for years. It's not new, dude. Do some Google searching, why don't you? He says it's a new conspiracy theory that holds Obama, holds Obama responsible for masterminding the Russia investigation and railroading former Trump administration National Security Advisor Michael Flynn into a guilty plea for lying to the FBI. Never mind that there's no evidence of investigatory misconduct. What are you talking about? There is. This is so painful to read. Vox, who is it? It's Aaron Rupar, isn't it? You got to fire this guy. Did he not do a like the Wall Street Journal talks about this and they have substantially more credibility than you do. This is laughably wrong. Is it labeled as op ed? No, it's just published. They don't do that. Let me tell you. Notes have emerged that said they wanted to get Michael Flynn fired. You want to talk about misconduct? Explain to me why an FBI agent's investigating somebody to get him fired. That makes no sense. I would call that misconduct. But sure, you have your opinion. Philip Rucker of the Washington Post called it Trump's bluff. Man, you know what? In one of your Mother's Day tweets, you appeared to accuse President Obama of the biggest political crime in American history by far. Those were your words. What crime exactly are you accusing President Obama of committing? And do you believe the Justice Department should prosecute him? Rucker asked during a news conference that was ostensibly about the coronavirus. Trump had nothing. Uh, Obamagate. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on from before I even got elected. And it's a disgrace that if that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on and if you look at now all this information that's being released, and from what I understand, that's only the beginning. Some terrible things happened and it should never be allowed to happen in our country again. Aaron goes on to say, of course, Obamagate does not involve a crime, and there's no evidence that Obama or his top officials conspired against Trump. Quite the opposite. So when Rucker pressed the point by asking what exactly the ostensible crime was, Trump resorted to smears. You know what the crime is. The crime is very obvious to everybody. All you have to do is read the newspapers, except yours. (laughs) Well, that's a good spicy comeback, except yours. 
But Trump really didn't provide a good answer at all. And I don't think the reason is because there's no conspiracy. There is. It's all over conservative media. And it's funny that I have to say that because, yes, left wing media, regular mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, they don't cover this. Now, Donald Trump could have, give, could, could have given a better answer. And I think for the most part, he just wasn't prepared to give one. There are a few possibilities if I was going to be fair. Maybe he's trying to not say too much because of the legal ramifications of what's to come. Or he's caught off guard by a question about the specifics of Obamagate, and he didn't want to get into it because he'd have to go through specific points. It's a pit trap. If Donald Trump says something slightly off, they'll call him a liar. So he gave this vague non-answer. Yeah, welcome to politics. Listen, there is evidence there, and it's, it's getting strange, okay? Right now, we're hearing that Obama administration officials are being, uh, their, their names are being declassified and unmasked against Flynn. There's a lot of complicated stuff here. And it's not for lack of wanting to answer. I mean, I think the challenge is there's so many moving parts to this. But I'll give you a, 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 a small breakdown. Peter Strzok told the FBI to keep the investigation against Flynn open, even though there was no basis for this and he was cleared. In an informal meeting, Michael Flynn didn't realize he was being investigated. They told him that he lied because he may have gotten details wrong, even though they had said previously they didn't think he lied. They then apparently went after him and said they would go after his kid unless he pled guilty. Okay, unless he pleaded guilty. So there you have some semblance of what's going on with Obamagate. Now, Obama gets involved because according to released transcripts, somebody, uh, uh, Sally Yates, was in a meeting where Obama brought up details of the investigation and was shocked to find out. In fact, so shocked that Obama knew about this, she couldn't even process what was being said. Then Joe Biden was challenged on this. And at first he tried saying, I was, I was unaware. I know nothing about the moves against Flynn. ABC anchor George Stephanopoulos, the former aide to Bill Clinton, pressed Biden, noting he was present in the meeting. And then he says, oh, I, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. What? No, it's that. What? You said investigated, you crazy person. Yeah, Biden backpedaling. But let me tell you what I love about the media, but clowning itself. First of all, Vox, seriously? This is what you've put out. This is like the most insane fake news I've ever seen. Here's my favorite part. You see, Donald Trump was having a press conference about the coronavirus. And you'd think the media and it's all it's it's nobility would talk about the coronavirus. But no, they had to bring up this stupid obsession with Michael Flynn. Now, what kind of journalist is going to do that? Mm, oh, harumph, I say. You know what? I agree with Brian Stelter. Vox is trash. See, Brian Stelter called out Vox specifically because they care more about Michael Flynn than they do. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not true. What's that? Brian Stelter rips right wing media for obsession with Flynn case as coronavirus death toll rises. Oh, I was confused for a second because CNN was dragging conservatives because he said that conservatives were more concerned with Flynn than the coronavirus. Yet uh, uh, I thought Vox was a left-wing outlet. So, so we must now be discovering that Vox is right-wing propaganda. You get the joke I'm trying to make. Vox wrote an article complaining about Donald Trump not giving the right answer. It's not so much Vox, it's all the press. CNN pretends that right-wing media only cares about Michael Flynn. When these CBS and CNN journalists, this is my favorite part about all this. You actually have CNN and, and uh, uh, CBS journalists getting into this controversy with, uh, with, with Trump at the Rose Garden where he storms out. But Vox is here writing about how one of these, these, these uh, press correspondents, White House correspondents, was questioning Trump on the Flynn case. 
It's almost like these journalists care more about Michael Flynn than they do about the coronavirus. And this is how you can tell that the media is just fake news, particularly Brian Stelter. Man, you know, I've, I've known that guy for a while and he didn't used to be so bad, but he's really just become like, I, I don't want to say he's Kim Kardashian because I'd be giving him too much credit. I mean, like she's really high profile, but maybe one of like the lesser Kardashians. Brian Stelter is the equivalent of one of the lesser. Car- is there a lesser Kardashian? I don't know. What, who are those, those? Whatever. I don't know anything about these people, but you get my point. Brian Stelter is a low tier reality TV host that plays politics and pretends to be talking about things that are relevant. These right wing media obsessed with Flint, the White House press corps, they're asking the same questions. So how about you get off your high? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're a fictional show. It's entertainment. I get it. Rachel Maddow said the same thing when she was challenged. I'm pretty sure that she was the it's just entertainment defense when they put out all this fake news. You know what, man? If you don't want to tell people the truth, just come out right away and say, put a disclaimer on the screen. The information in this show is fake. Here's the thing. Let me, let me tell you. You've seen these YouTube videos where people pretend like they stage these pranks. Someone will be like, they'll tie a rope to a bike and then the guy will jump on the bike and then fall off the bike. And they're like, oh, I got you. You tried to steal the bike and I caught you. Hoo-hoo. The reality is those are fake. It's staged. But when people know it's staged, they're not interested in watching anymore. So if these, so now there's a bunch of rules coming out where they have to put disclaimers in because you can't prank people this way. And they say, these are just actors. None of it really happened. Nobody cares. They're like, oh, I thought it was real. That's not fun. It's just, it's just a staged thing. That's what would happen if Brian Seltzer told the truth. If he said, you know, a thing flashing in the corner, the information presented in this program is hyperbolic nonsense, exaggerated and fake. Nobody would care to watch it. So he needs to create this air of reality. The media, I give you the beclowning. Now, I know it's hard for them to beclown themselves because they're already beclowned. So it's like clown squared. It's like, I just want you to imagine them putting on clown makeup and then only like every other day, instead of taking the makeup off, they just keep putting more and more on and they look more and more absurd. Let me wrap this up for you. Joe Biden had to backpedal because he knew about the Michael Flynn stuff. There's weird goings on in this case. Definitive evidence of anything. Well, we're going to hold our horses and we're going to wait and see what happens. But Vox writes this just complete trash, and it flies in the face of statements from other anti-Trump media, and you get it. Not every single bit of journalism is trash today, because I will give a shout out to Mr. George Stephanopoulos for pushing back on Joe Biden. I just mean to say that they tend to do a really bad job in their obsession with hating Trump. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Today is the big day. A special election occurring in Wisconsin and California that could predict who will take the House come November. Will the Democrats maintain the House majority? Will Republicans win it back? It's hard to know for sure, but it seems to be leaning slightly in favor of Republicans based on certain perspectives. I know it's a weird thing to say, but according to polling data and fundraising data, it looks really bad for the Republicans. But based on more cultural issues and these special elections, it may actually be good for Republicans. It's hard to tell for sure, but what I can tell you is Democrats are on edge because they're actually projecting a loss in this. Again, we don't know for sure. By the time you watch this, the results may be out. But I want to talk about mail-in voting and some other, some other issues that we're looking at, and we'll try and play some, you know, whether or not we can predict what's going to happen in 20, uh, 20, uh, 2020 in November. The Hill reports, Democrats are fearful that their grasp on a House seat in California they flipped less than two years ago may be slipping. The party is scrambling to hold on to California's 25th district and a special election set for Tuesday. 
when their candidate state's assemblywoman, Christy Smith, will face off against Republican Mike Garcia for the seat previously held by Katie Hill. Public polling in the race has been scarce in recent weeks, though privately Democrats acknowledge that it's likely to be a nail biter and election handicappers have marked the contest as a toss up. If Garcia defeats Smith on Tuesday, it will mark the first time a Republican has flipped a House seat in California since 1998. Now, you got to consider is that Katie Hill flipped this with a nine point victory over Steve Knight. Many of these Democrats won in moderate districts and Trump districts for a, for a variety of reasons, notably anti-Trump sentiment. Donald Trump supporters didn't come out in enough numbers and anti-Trump people did. So it's hard to know exactly what will happen come November with congressional seats. With Donald Trump on the ballot, him being more popular than when he was when he was elected the first time with a larger base and with a track record of improving the economy, you may see all of his voters come out and check Republican across the board. But maybe people who showed up in the anti-Trump people were showing up in similar proportions, meaning come November, the anti-Trump base may still be larger. What people don't seem to understand, or maybe they don't know, is that Hillary Clinton was so unpopular, like ridiculously unpopular, worse than Trump. That's why Trump won. Trump won by very thin margins in key states. We're now learning that uh, apparently, well, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden in Ohio, something Bill Maher didn't think was possible. Bill Maher previously, uh, previously said, do I want Joe Biden to be president? No, but is the only one that beats Trump in Ohio. Well, now, according to polls, Trump is winning in Ohio. That's really good news for Trump. So this may, this may set the stage for what's going to happen. But there's a few very, very important factors here. So while we're projecting that a nine-point swing may be gone, I mean, it is gone, whether or not Hill, uh, Garcia or Smith wins, the lead is gone. We're seeing something interesting in the data. Check this out. This is from the uh, Political Data Inc., 25th Congressional Special Tracker. Of the mail-in ballots so far, because this is, they're, they're doing mail-in ballots here, the youth vote has basically failed to turn out. Of the ballots that were sent to those 18 to 34, only 15% returned their ballots. That is seriously bad news. Now, Republicans are concerned that the big push for mail-in ballots will be essentially cheating for Democrats. They're changing the rules to try and get some advantage. But 538 says there's no clear advantage. In fact, it appears the advantage may actually be going to Republicans. Take a look at this. Republicans, 40% have returned their ballots to Democrats, 27 and 20% of independents have returned their ballots, the lowest of the three. And that makes sense. I'm surprised Republicans haven't returned their ballots only at, only at around 40%. Today is apparently the last day you can do it as be postmarked by today. And they're not getting the youth vote, which they need to win. Now, I don't know what that means necessarily uh, in terms, I, I, I should say, I can't predict the victor. What I can say is these votes tend to come into the very last minute. And so there are still a few days where the data may, may come in. But what I do find particularly strange is this story from, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is, an old, this is the wrong story. There's a story from 538 that basically says they're projecting based on the special election, uh, based on the special election who wins, they could predict a blue wave. This is the story I want to show you. Two special elections on Tuesday could hint at another blue wave in 2020. This story to me makes literally no sense, but I find it interesting. Will there be another blue wave? I don't think it's fair to say yes to that question. I think what we're looking at is potentially right now, the Democrats might maintain their majority. They might lose their majority, but it's going to be close. We don't really know for sure. What's interesting about this 538 article is that they basically argue that in both districts, 
they expect the Republicans to win. And that would be enough to prove a blue wave. And I'm like, isn't that enough to prove there would be a red wave? I mean, Katie Hill in California is about to lose a nine point lead. Or I'm sorry, Katie Hill's nine point lead. The Democrats are about to lose. Not Katie herself. She's gone. She resigned. The Democrats are about to uh, have basically lost a nine point lead. And polling suggests a Republican could win. If Donald Trump comes on the ballot and all his Trump supporters come out, stands to reason he's going to, the Republican's going to win again. If the, if the Democrats are going to lose this district, the Democrat and the Democrats believe it's not unique. Wouldn't that predict a major swing for Republicans? Also consider Jeff Van Drew in South Jersey, South New Jersey. Jeff Van Drew ran as a Democrat and he won because of the anti-Trump sentiment. This dude flipped and became a Republican. Now, We'll see if he actually wins. And I think he made the right choice. I, I could be wrong. He, repre- he represents the district really close to me. I don't live in his district. But I think what he was looking at, these moderate districts wanted real issues solved. I, I bring this up all the time. And instead, these Democrats just went for impeachment. So I don't see how they think two losses could paint a blue. Let me, let me read a little bit from this 538 article. They say former Vice President Joe Biden leads Trump in most early polls. Democrats are leading polls of the generic congressional ballot by 28 level margins and general disapproval of the administration's handling of the coronavirus pandemic threatens to sink Republican prospects across the board. On Tuesday, we'll get a taste of whether Democrats electoral advantage on paper will hold up in practice as California and Wisconsin hold special elections for two vacant congressional seats. The main event is in the, Cal- is in the California 25th congressional district, a bellwether seat in the North Los Angeles suburbs where both parties see a chance to add to their ranks in the House. But if Democrats are also competitive in the quickly reddening rural Wisconsin 7th congressional district, it could signal another blue wave in the fall. Here's everything you need to know about the two races. Now, I think it's a fair point considering Wisconsin. This was where a Republican retired and now a Republican is set to win. What they're arguing is if the Democrat in the 7th district in Wisconsin is competitive, it will predict there's a boon, a surge for Democrats. But I think it's kind of a strange thing to argue. It's, 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 it's a weird perspective to argue from. Sure, I think it's fair to bring up, but you could equally say something like in the headline, the special elections could hint at either a blue or a, or a red wave. If there are, so you have, you have these two districts and they're arguing for the rarity, right? If the Democrats do well in a traditional red district, why, like, why would you think that's more likely than what we already know about uh, Katie Hill's district. So here, here's the point I'm trying to make. In California, polling suggests the Democrats are losing. They've lost a major lead. That's significant. And in the seventh uh, congressional district in Wisconsin, it looks like it's going to stay Republican like it's, like it's been. That would suggest that the change is in favor of Republicans. Wouldn't that predict a red wave? And shouldn't that be your lead? The Democrats are worried because they know they stand to lose this lead. Wouldn't that suggest a coming red wave, not a blue wave? Well, of course, you can argue from 538's perspective, but I think it's disingenuous. I also think I could be wrong because I was wrong about 2018. I had no idea what I was talking about. Hey, how about that? I'll, I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong for sure. I thought the Republicans for cultural reasons were going to sweep in 2018. What I didn't count on was that Trump voters are Trump supporters, not Republican supporters. And there have been a lot of Trump supporters who are angry with, with, uh, with Republicans, notably people like Lindsey Graham or Trey uh, Gowdy over their failure to 
fight back in the Russia conspiracy stuff. Lindsey Graham even today is saying that he's not necessarily, you know, he doesn't expect to call Obama to testify or anything like that. A lot of details I don't want to get into. So forgive me if I'm getting them kind of wrong. The point is Trump supporters like Trump, they carry very, they, they care little for the most part for a lot of these other congressional or Senate Republicans. They like Trump. They want Trump. But I'll tell you what, man, you see the Trump said this, that if, if the Democrats take the house, they will impeach him. And he was right. It's like, it's exactly what they did. This is why I think there's actually a benefit for Republicans, aside from the data showing that Republicans are actually doing better. So it's a, it, it should suggest a red wave. You also have to consider the, 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 cultural, the cultural ramifications in this, uh, uh, in this instance. While I was wrong on what the culture, cultural implications of 2018 would be, I think it's fair to say that you've got a lot of people who were fooled once. Fool me once, shame on, uh, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If these people still think they're going to get kitchen table issues by voting for the Democrat in these moderate districts, they would be wrong. Now, of course, the anti-Trump people showed up in droves. That's what helped the Democrats win. But if they lose the people who feel like they were taken advantage of independent voters, then they probably will not win. Thus, I think we're looking at a potential red wave from the data suggested so far. Also, when you consider that youth vote isn't turning out and the older vote is turning out, Republicans are turning out in bigger numbers. Things can change. Republicans can lose this one. We may see a surge of the Democrats in this uh, red district. But I will also stress in Wisconsin 7th, the reason I think 530 is wrong is they say if the Democrats are competitive, it could suggest a blue wave. Yeah, but Trump isn't on the ballot right now. It's a special election. What do you think is going to happen when Trump is his name is big and bold? His supporters are going to come out in droves. That will change the game. I do not think 530 knows what they're talking about. I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Democrats have proposed their latest coronavirus stimulus bill, and now we get to learn of all of the sweet and beautiful things they've injected into it that have absolutely nothing to do with coronavirus relief. One thing of which is the elimination of voter ID, which makes no sense and has nothing to do with coronavirus. You want to argue about mail-in, mail-in ballots and stuff? That I understand. I disagree with the rule change at the last minute, but I get it. Listen, when Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats say, we need to have mail-in voting, let's be real. They're concerned about the coronavirus and people could get sick. So it's a legitimate argument. I think it's a weak argument because we can do social distance voting and we can prepare better. But more importantly, I don't think you should be able to just change the rules at the last minute. That creates a lot of problems. But hey, it's an argument, right? I could be wrong. I'm fine with that. Eliminating voter ID literally makes no sense. Like, wh- why would you want to like make our voting less secure? Now, look, I understand they've made arguments in favor uh, of uh, eliminating voter ID. Claim, they, they claim it's bigoted or racist. But the states that already have it, what, 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 do you, what is this? What does this have to do with the coronavirus relief bill? Let's read the story. Democrats' coronavirus bill would eliminate states' voter ID requirement. Tucked inside House Democrats' new coronavirus bill is language that would create a loophole in states' voter ID requirements, allowing people to cast ballots without having to prove who they are. While the crux of the bill revealed Tuesday is a massive injection of taxpayer aid for states, localities and federal agencies dealing with the virus, Democrats also tackled some of their longstanding political goals. One section of the bill would require states to allow at least 15 days of in-person early voting before Election Day this year and to also allow voting by mail for any reason, overriding states that have more limited policies. The new bill would also require the absentee ballots to be counted 
if they arrive up to 10 days after election day. And the legislation says that states that require voter IDs to cast a ballot must allow voters to meet the requirement by self-certifying to their own identity. I love that self-certifying to their own identity. I insist my name is Tim. Can you prove it? Because I insist. How do you self-certify that? That's ridiculous. They go on to say the National Conference of State Legislatures say 36 states have some voter ID requirement. About a half dozen of those are strict photo ID laws requiring someone who wants to cast a ballot without photo ID to return with proof within three days for their ballot to be counted. And I think that's fine. You know, look, I got, I, got, I got to be honest, man. There's no Democrat argument for why they oppose voter IDs. I'm sorry, it just doesn't exist. Racism makes no sense. I'll tell you what, man. I'm from the south side of Chicago. You want to slap that racism junk in my face? I'm going to call you racist, okay? Because I grew up in a mixed area with a mixed family. And you want to argue, my friends, my family had no idea how to go to the DMV. You're nuts, okay? We knew where the DMV was. We had the internet. Yeah, stop playing these games. We've all seen the Ami Horowitz video. I, ho- I hope you have. It's really funny where he asks people about it. And man, I'll tell you what, these Democrats on voter ID, they push such racist insanity. It's disgusting. But there's more. There's more. You got to love it. Cigar and Jetty says, so the Pelosi bill has a bunch of diversity initiatives and pot businesses and uh, for uh, diversity initiatives for pot businesses and lifts the salt cap, but rejects Pramila Jayapal's plan to keep people on payroll during the depression. It's wonderful. The diversity and inclusion, what is it, important stuff in the new House Dem stimulus bill. Annual diversity and inclusion report. The federal banking regulators shall in issue an annual report to Congress containing information and data on the availability of access to financial services for minority owned and women owned cannabis related legitimate businesses. And what? <laughs> I just, I just can't do it, man. Look, I know this bill's pointless. The funny thing about it, uh, 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 Cigar and Jetty and, and Crystal Ball do a great show as they point out, like, if you're going to do a bill that you know has no chance of getting passed because the Republicans are not going to entertain it or put it to the floor, then actually put stuff in it. Well, what are you doing? You put, what is it? <laughs> you can do real progressive policies. You can do a bunch of pipe dreams, but you include cannabis diversity and inclusion. Now, look, I understand the Democrats love changing the rules. They've complained about the Electoral College. You know the rules. They complain about it. I, I, just, I just can't deal with it, man. I'll tell you what. Let me give you the simplest reason why changing the rules is the wrong move. Demographics change. California was not always the most populous state that it is now. Rule changes typically just empower those who are at a disadvantage based on the rules we all agreed on for the past several hundred years. They complain that Wyoming gets two senators, but has only one congressperson. How is that fair? It's only 500,000 people, but that gives a disproportionate amount of voting power in the Senate to Republicans, blah, blah, blah. Have you tried winning these places? Listen, if you can't win in Wyoming when it's only, you know, 500,000 people, it sounds like your complaint has less to do with the power of that state. And that's the fact that you don't bother convincing people they should support you. Isn't that an issue? If they won in Wyoming, would they be complaining about the disproportionate amount of power? No, they wouldn't. The problem is they don't bother winning or they don't want to, and they don't want to communicate with these people. What's the real issue? They want to change the rules at the last minute. But what happens in 50 to 100 years when there is a major economic boom because they discover some kind of new material in in the hills of Montana, and all of a sudden you get a massive influx of people who want to live there? What happens when a new industry booms? You see, California was built up by a lot, you know, the entertainment industry, for instance, gold rush, things like that. 
Um, I believe for the most part, it was the entertainment industry. But for a long time, California was a big, empty state. It had the same disproportionate amount of power. The rules are in place for a reason. The Democrats keep trying to change the rules. Now they're trying to inject rule changes. in. so I'll, I'll be fair. When I bring up the diversity inclusion stuff and said you should actually put in stuff you want, they did take away voter ID and you know, create a loophole for it, push, push for mail-in voting, and basically change the system so they can get advantages where they actually, what, what, advantages in a race because they're, they're set on losing. I don't think the bill's going to pass. We know it for the most part, it's not going to pass. But isn't it, isn't it just fun and funny how they're, they're, they're pushing this stuff? Now, there, there is a bunch of legitimate stuff we can talk about. Let's read what NBC, uh, CNBC says about what's in it. They say, a trillion, it's, it's a $3 trillion bill, by the way, which is going nowhere. So it's almost a silly waste of time. But they say this, it's a trillion dollars in relief for state and local governments. A second round of direct payments, 1200 per person, up to 6000 per household, 200 billion for hazard pay for essential workers, 75 billion for testing, an extension of the $600 per week uh, bonus, $175 billion in rent, mortgage and utility assistance, subsidies and a special Affordable Care Act enrollment period, more money for the supplemental nutritional uh, for SNAP for food benefits, measures designed to buoy small businesses, money for elected safety during the pandemic, blah, 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 relief for the Postal Service. Here's what I love about how CNBC and these other outlets, you know, handle this stuff. When they report on the bill, they give you like the high level stuff, but they ignore the sneaky stuff. CNBC isn't going to mention that, you know, they're sneaking in removals of voter ID laws and stuff like that. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're biased. Maybe it's because they don't care. But you think this stuff is like particularly important for what's going on with these bills. More importantly, what I find to be particularly important is the weird things they're putting in, where they're going to have diversity and inclusion for cannabis businesses. Here's another one. Joe Gabriel Simon says, says the word cannabis appears in this bill more than half as many times as the word bank. I think I get it. You know what it is? I think it's a fair point. If Donald Trump came out and said, the first thing I'm going to do when reelected, legalize marijuana, 100%, no enforcement. It's going to be huge. Great. Great for the country. He would get, it would be a landslide. Every single pothead, every stoner, half the Bernie supporters are going to be like, I'll take it. Federally legalize or decriminalize marijuana. That would be huge. Now, I don't see Trump doing it. I also don't know why he wouldn't do it. It's widely popular. I mean, Trump supporters aren't going to aren't going to not vote for Trump simply because he, he backs, you know, marijuana legalization. But I think that's why you're seeing this pop up in this bill. The Democrats know all these hippy dippy stoners who won't get off their couch to vote to, you know, for whatever reason, you can motivate them by giving them the one thing they really want, total legalization. Now, look, marijuana is recreational in a bunch of states already. It's heading towards legalization. And I think whichever politician jumps on this is going to see a massive burst of, of, of support. That's why I think Trump should do it. Could you imagine Trump coming out in favor of legalizing marijuana? All of a sudden you have all of these young hippie urban liberals being like, don't care about Biden. Don't care about anything. Trump's going to legalize pot. I'm down. I don't know if you would do it federally. And I don't think it would change state laws either. So all it would really mean is that if you did something, you know, federally, the DEA federal agents wouldn't arrest you for this stuff, which like most people don't care about anyway. It really does come down to the states. And that's why I don't think, you know, for the most part, Trump cares. Like it's, it's going to be that important, but it is political messaging. So we can see cannabis appears a bunch of times. Cash is less than cannabis and loan appears 609 times. That makes sense to me. He points out, what else does he point out? Job appears less than cannabis. I think I see where we're going. Cannabis appears 68 times 
energy 42, green once, manufacturing 48. I got to say, man, I think the Democrats are going for uh, (laughs) marijuana. I don't know, man, whatever. That's where their priorities lie. They could have put in a bunch of more important things, but hey, man, you, you, you take what you can take, I guess. Ultimately, I don't think mail-in voting is going to help them as much as a lot of people think, think it will. I do think it does open the possibility of fraud. That's a, a really important point. I think one of the things that Democrats are counting on, though, is higher voter turnout, because we've already seen in some of these states that mail-in voting has resulted in a higher turnout, which they think will benefit them. That's not necessarily true. So ultimately, you know, whatever, man. Look, the Democrats wanted to change the rules. We knew they were going for this. Here you go. The bill to actually eliminate voter ID through a loophole. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I will see you all then.